And it's the story of Jesus turning water into wine. And um, it's a story that you'll be familiar with, uh, many of you. And John built his gospel around seven miracles, seven signs. And this is the first one. Now, for Middle Eastern people, first is really important. So it's kind of shaping. It sets the scene. It says, right, here we go. But this is a really weird sign to be first. Yeah, Jesus turns water into wine. If you like wine, that's nice. Um, but what does it have to do with the gospel? What does it have to do with the cross? And why is John starting his book like this? And these are some of the questions that we ask as we come to this story. And so it's John chapter 2. And John was there. He saw these things. And he's writing from his experience. And he says, On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And so... A Jewish wedding would go on for five or six days, a bit like Turkey, actually, and it's a huge event, and you invite thousands of people, everyone you know, people you like and people you don't like. And uh, it's a chance for your village to show off how cool your village is to all the other villages. So you invite other people to come to your wedding to show them that yours is the best village, that you could put on the best party. It's a chance for the honor of your village. And so people should go back and go, oh, that was good. When we do a wedding, we have to do better than them. Okay? And so this is the moment, and everybody's there, and Jesus and his disciples are there as well. And it says, when the wine ran out. Now, this is a disaster. In a Jewish wedding, the bridegroom only has one responsibility. He's got to turn up, and he has to provide the wine. And this guy couldn't even do that. One thing, and he couldn't do it. And he's thinking, now, now my question is this, why, why wasn't there enough wine? And I think the answer is, the guy was stingy. The guy, he thought, I can cut corners. I, I, I'll water it down, I'll put a little bit less out. We don't know if it ran out on day one or day five, but it ran out. And I, I preached this message somewhere another time. And I said, there's a stingy guy here. Who is the stingy guy? And at the end of the meeting, this guy came up to me and he said, I am the stingy man. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> but I, I think sometimes we can cut corners. You know, maybe you don't pay your tax. Maybe you take a little bit of paper in the office for photocopying that wasn't yours. Or maybe it's more serious and you sweep things under the carpet and you think, I'm not going to get found out. And that's what this guy thought. He's cut a corner. But then what happens is, it's about to become public. It's been found out. Jesus' mother says, they have no more wine. And maybe you feel like you've run out of something. And the thing that terrifies you is that becoming public. Maybe you've run out of energy. You're just exhausted. And you've got to go to work, and you've got to look after the kids, and you've got nothing left. And you just think, I've just run out. Maybe you're a mother at home with your kids and you've run out of patience and you think I've been patient six days of the week but it's Sunday morning and just go back to sleep maybe you work in a care industry and you've run out you've got compassion fatigue and you've you, you care for people all day long but actually you just think I've just run out we can run out of many things maybe you're running out of money and you think there's a shame with that isn't there? There's, I don't want people to find out, or I don't want to go and ask someone for help with my budgeting, because then they'll know how bad I am at this. And so you run out of something, but if it becomes known, then you feel ashamed. 
And this is the danger in this story here. And so he's run out. And we can run out. One of the major differences between people and God is that we run out and God never does. We are limited. We run out of things. The question is, what do you do with that? And so Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, this is a really weird dialogue because all the way through John's gospel, whenever Jesus talks about my hour, he's talking about the cross. He says, an hour is coming when the Son of Man. And so he's always talking about the cross. That's my hour. So Jesus' mother says, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, it's not time for me to die on the cross yet. And she's thinking, maybe you didn't hear me across the crowded room. It's a weird conversation. What's he saying? I'll tell you what I think he's saying. I think he's saying, when you go to a wedding, you're enjoying the wedding, but at the same time, you're also thinking about your own wedding. And I'm sure if you're married, whenever you go to a wedding, you hold your wife's hand and think, I remember our vows. And my 10-year-old daughter, whenever she goes to a wedding, she thinks, I like that dress, but at my wedding, my dress is going to be like this. And I think, girl, you're 10. You're not getting married for at least 50 years, not while I'm in the house. (laughs) But whenever we go to a wedding, one of the things we do is we think about our own wedding. And the Lord Jesus is here. He's at a wedding. He's also thinking about his wedding day. What's the wedding day of Jesus? It's the great wedding feast of the Lamb. It's the end of time when all the nations, as we were singing, people from every nation and tongue, People from all countries of the world are going to sit together at a great feast in the kingdom of Jesus. And we're going to celebrate together. It's going to be the the consummation and the end of all things. And people from my church will be there. And people from your church will be there. And you can meet them. And somehow there won't be a language problem and we'll all get on. And I don't know what kind of food we're going to eat at the great wedding in heaven. Because different countries like different food, don't they? So who's going to choose what food we eat? But I do know this, there's going to be lots of Koreans in heaven, and Koreans eat dog. (laughs) Hallelujah. But anyway, we're going to sit together at the great feast, and Jesus is going to be the bridegroom, and he's not going to run out of wine. There is going to be lots and lots and lots of heavenly wine. And Jesus is sitting there thinking, at my wedding, I'm not going to run out of wine. I'm not going to be like this bridegroom who couldn't even do that. And so there's an expectation of that day. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, he did not know where it came from. And so you've got these, I don't know if you've ever seen them, these massive stone water jars that we have in the Middle East. And there's six of them, and they're huge. And John says they were for the water for ceremonial washing. Now, the Bible is an Eastern book, right? I'm going to say that a lot of times today. And for Easterners, numbers and symbolism are very important. And so when John says there are six of them, he's trying to tell us something. And they're filled with the water that was used for ceremonial washing, and they were filled up to the brim. Now, God made the world in six days. And on the seventh day, God came into the world which he'd made to live amongst people. He came in with his presence, and he declared it holy, a day of rest. 
And he said to the Jews, for six days you should work very hard. And on the seventh day you should rest and enjoy my presence because it's a holy day. God comes in. And so the six water jars represent the old covenant. The covenant that was about washing. The covenant that was about making yourself holy. The covenant that was about work. And many religions in the world have washing. The Jews did. One Jewish rabbi took this ceremonial washing so importantly that the Romans threw him in prison. And they gave him water to drink every day. And instead of drinking it, he used to wash himself with it because it was so important. And he nearly died of thirst because this external purity was so important. And Muslims wash before they pray. And Hindus go to the Ganges River to wash to be clean before God. And, and what John is saying here is that time, the six means it's completed, it's finished. That time has been filled up to the brim. The old covenant of external religion, of how you look, of what appearance you give to people, is finished. And instead of washing, Jesus gives something for drinking. So Christianity, religion is no longer about external appearance. It's now about the inside. It's about drinking. And the six days of work are finished. And now Jesus is saying, a seventh day has come. I've come in with my presence. I am here. God is here. It's the seventh day. It's a holy day. It's a day of rest. And wine is superior to water. Because the new covenant is superior to the old. And drinking is superior to washing. And internal is superior to external. And so Jesus is saying, there's a whole new day, there's a whole new covenant. This wine is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Do what? Drink it. And so often, we can catch the externals of something. So maybe you've started coming to church. Maybe you're new. Maybe you've been coming for a few weeks. And you look around and you think, I want to fit in. And you see that when we sing songs, people do this. Andrew does this. And so you think, okay, good Christian does that. I'm going to do that too. And you've made friends on Facebook and you see that Christians are always posting Bible verses on Facebook with pictures of cats. And so you think, I'm going to start doing that too. And you've realized that Christians, when you ask them on a Sunday morning, good morning, how are you? They say, praise God, I'm fine, thank you. And so you do that too, even though you're dying inside. And what happens is we can pick up the externals or something, but the question is this, have you drunk? Have you got the love of God and the wine of God inside of you? Have you come and gone, Lord, my inside is thirsty. It doesn't matter what I look like outside. What matters is that I drink and that I experience your love. So Jesus is saying right at the beginning of John's gospel, this is a whole new day. This is a whole new thing. And it says, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Okay? And I think this was a scary moment for the bridegroom because he thinks it's like being called to the headmaster's office. I've been found out. And for this, I actually need Andrew to come and help me, please. And so how is... You're the bridegroom, the stingy guy. Okay? <laughs> How, so the master of the feast calls him into the office. Now, how does he feel? He feels ashamed. He thinks, my secret sin is about to become public shame. I've been found out. I'm going to get scolded. Okay, it's like being called into the headmaster's office, which never happened to you, did it? it actually didn't. No, I actually believe you. 
It happened to some of us. Um, and so he's being, called into, he's being called into this office, and he feels ashamed. And the master of the feast says to him, Amazing! You're the man! Incredible! Well done! How did you think of it? Everybody else serves the best wine first, but you've saved the best wine until last. Did, did it come to you in a vision? Did you have a dream? What a great idea! You're, you're, you're honoring our village in front of everybody. Now, it doesn't say what he said afterwards. The Bible likes to leave those kind of things open for our response. Did he say, yes, I know, I'm the man. I'm doing my PhD in wine studies. <laughs> or did he say, well, actually, I'm a stingy guy. But we do know this. He took the credit for what Jesus had done. You can sit down. Thank you. And that is the gospel, isn't it, friends? We take the credit for what Jesus has done. When we come into the presence of God, we should come ashamed. We should come terrified because we know what's in our hearts. We know we're the stingy guy. We know we've run out of stuff. We know that we've done terrible things with our lives. But what happens is our Heavenly Father receives us with joy. Instead of condemnation, there's congratulation. Instead of judgment, there's rejoicing. Why? Because Jesus turns our water into wine. He turns our sin into righteousness. He turns our shame into honor. Why did Jesus have to die publicly on the cross? Why couldn't he just die privately as a sacrifice before God for our sins? Why did he have to have all the people pass by and spit on him and mock him and call him horrible names. Why did he have to be shamed like that? Because he was taking our shame that we deserve in front of the world. Jesus took our place and took our shame so that we can be honored and lifted up. It's a wonderful thing. And so this guy takes the honor that actually came from Jesus. And Jesus is still turning water into wine today, isn't he? So when we went to the country that we're in now, we were thinking, we haven't got anything. I don't know if I can learn a language. I don't know if I'll like the food. I don't know if I'm going to make any friends. I don't know. If, I've only got water. But we went carrying our water, and as we go, Jesus turns it into wine. And it serves people, and people get healed, and people get the love of God into their lives. And maybe you think, oh, I'd love to pray for my sick friend, but I don't know how to. And actually, you just pray, put your hand on them, bring your water. And as you bring your water, Jesus will turn it into wine. What Jesus' mother said is this, do whatever he tells you. And so my question to you is this, what has Jesus told you to do? Have you done it? You do. If he's told you to be a faithful husband and go up to London every day and work in your job and raise your kids, then do that. And you might say, oh, it's not very honorable and it's not very glorious, but Jesus will take your water and turn it into wine. You do what he's told you to do. And maybe you feel a sense of call to go to a difficult people, to go to another country. Maybe you're here today and you think, I went to New Day and they said, who wants to go to the nations? And I felt something happen in my spirit. But you think, I haven't got anything. What can I do? I can't learn a language. How do I go? And the thing is this, you bring your water and Jesus will turn it into wine. Jesus turns your weakness into strength. Jesus turns your fear into courage. Jesus turns your sin into righteousness. He turns your shame 
into honor. And so this guy, instead of being ashamed in front of everyone, is honored in front of everyone and remembered as this, the best wedding ever. Isn't that amazing? And we're going to have a time of prayer now. And I'd like us to pray for a whole load of different things. And some of the people that might want to respond for prayer would want to respond because you feel shame in your life. You feel there's a, a, a part of your life that you don't want people to see. It's kind of like a closed room. It's kind of like a, a, a rock, and underneath it, there's all these creepy crawlies, and you don't want anyone to lift up that rock because all these nice Christians would be horrified if they saw what was really in that room in my life, in my heart. And if you feel like that, I want to encourage you to come today into the presence of God and open that up to God. Because God isn't going to be shocked. He's not going to be disgusted or horrified. And we, we must learn to bring our shame to God. I felt there's someone here today, and you, you've, you've been struggling actually with depression and even suicidal thoughts. And you know it's wrong, but more than that, you feel ashamed. You don't want to tell anyone because of the way that you think people will respond to you. And I want to encourage you to, to come today and, and just open your heart to Jesus. Just say, look, this is true. I've been struggling this, with this in my life, and I feel ashamed of it. And I feel the presence of God will come to you. Maybe you're here today and you say, actually, I'm just really thirsty. I feel like a kettle that's gone all lime-scaled on the inside, all hard, and I just need to drink again. And there's going to be an opportunity uh, in a moment. The Holy Spirit is with us today. And even in the early morning prayer meeting this morning, uh, one of the sisters that was there brought a prophetic word about people soaking in the presence of God and a sponge just being soaked. And I, I do believe that if you hear it and you say, I'm thirsty and I just want to drink again from the presence of God, then you can do that. Maybe you're here and you're new and you're a visitor. And you come and you say, I've, all, I've got very dirty water. My life is very dirty. And I don't know if Jesus can turn dirty water into wine. And I think the issue is this. Jesus can turn water into wine. It doesn't matter what, what it's like. Jesus can save nice people and he can save terrible sinners. And if you're here today and you say, I'm just a really dirty person, come to Jesus today. And as you come, he can save you. He can change your heart. He can change your life. I felt there was one person here in this meeting this morning and you have pain in your right elbow. You've kind of got a shooting pain that's been ongoing in your right elbow. And even with that, you feel ashamed about it, to, ashamed to ask for prayer. Maybe you think it's not a very big thing. Maybe you've been prayed for before and you didn't get healed. But, so I, I feel there's a pain in your right elbow, but with it, you've, there's almost an embarrassment with it. And I'd encourage you to come for prayer today. I believe the Lord is going to both heal your pain and take away the, the shame that comes with that. Maybe you're here and you just say, I feel like my Christianity, my faith, has become a lot of work. I feel like I'm filling up water jars all the time. I read my Bible, I go to my small group, I do this, I do that, and I'm doing all the right things, but I just feel tired inside. I feel like I've run out. We'd love to pray for you today. I believe that the Lord is going to give wine for people to drink. And maybe you're here today and you say, actually, I do have a sense of call. I, wanna, I want to share the gospel with people. I want to go out and do things, but I don't know what I would do. I've only got water. Then actually, we'd love to pray for you today because 
as you go and talk to people, then Jesus can turn that water into wine. Amen? And so I'm going to invite the band to come up, if that's okay. And I'd love us all to stand. And right where we are, let's just start to receive uh, from God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you know how to drink, then do come right now and just start to drink. Start to enjoy his presence. Start to just know his wine. If, if, if you know, you know, metaphorically how to come and just drink from the Holy Spirit, then do that right now because Jesus is the bridegroom and he has lots and lots and lots of wine. Hallelujah. And then in a moment, I'm going to ask people to respond for the, some of these specific things. And so right now, come Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful church, for this generous church. I thank you that you're the giver, Lord. You're a generous God. I pray right now that you give. I pray for people who spend all week giving out, that today you would come and fill them, Lord. I pray for the mums here who spend all week giving out to their kids. Come and fill them, Father. I pray for people who are tired, that you'd come and refresh them. Holy Spirit, please, Lord. I thank you no one in this family is exempt from your love. There are no teetotaling Christians in that sense. Wine is for everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you for this picture of your love, wine. We drink it, it makes us glad. You drink it with friends, builds community. Thank you. Come, wine of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Let this people drink. Father, I do pray right now, those who feel crusty and dry on the inside, that you just drench their hearts again, Lord, with your love, with your presence. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit. I did just feel God's compassion. Even the, the testimonies today were about the compassion of God. And if you're here and you just say, I do feel compassion fatigued, then just receive again the mercy, the love of God. If you're grieving, be comforted by his love today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now I am going to invite people to start to come to the front. So if you saying, I want to come and drink, I'd like someone to pray for me, then do come to the front. If you're saying, actually, I do feel one of those specific words was for me, do come to the front. If you're saying, I actually, I have physical sickness in my life and I need healing, then do come to the front because the presence of the Lord is here today and anything can happen. Amen. And so I, did, I would invite you to come. I know, I know there are people here, so please do uh, come and respond now and we will have guys that can pray for you. This person with the pain in your elbow, we'd love you to come. We'd love you to come. If you're a visitor and you say, I don't really know what's going on in this meeting today, but I, I, I would love someone to pray for me, do come. Do come and receive some prayer today. Maybe you say, I'm the stingy guy. <laughs> and you say, actually, I just, I cut corners. We'd invite you to come. Maybe you feel terrified that your secret sin 
is about to become public shame and you don't want to get found out, we invite you to come and receive prayer today. The compassion of Jesus is here. Maybe you're here and you do say, I want to, I want to share the gospel. I want to talk to people, but I've only got water. Come today. Jesus will turn your water into wine. Give you something to give to people. Give you something to satisfy people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.